It's a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. Remember, you can always get involved with the show. Just email us at wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. You can also leave us a review on whatever platform you enjoy the show on, and we'll appreciate it. As you know, in the internet age, politicians, businesses, and podcasts can all be made to fly or made to crash through the power of your activity on the internet. So. Yeah, you, but I, but if I but if I may say, screw all politicians. But go re, ahead, re, review us wisely, young Padawan. Uh, okay, like yes. like Cacri, C A K R I, nice username. Uh, the subject line of the review is "Great show!" Exclamation point. We love this podcast. The hosts are hilarious and have some great insights on music. Always look forward to the new show. Here's the best part, Mark. You ready? Even better is when they get off topic. Oh, yeah, high five. I know. Normally it's like <laughs> three stars. That's These a, guys talk about everything. <laughs> That's a true fan because that guy knows that uh, sometimes in reviews, people are not so generous with us about us getting off topic. So shouts to yeah. Cacri. Uh, big, big fan of you, buddy. Thanks for listening. We love it. Uh, it. As Mark said, you can do the direct note via the email inbox. Ben wrote the show to say... <laughs> This makes me happy, too. Saturday night, I went to a party, and we were all sitting around and drinking and bullshitting, and I started telling part of the story you guys told about Garth Brooks versus Chris Gaines, and several people told me that I should write the 33 and a third book about it. <laughs> wow. Hey, listen, man. If they're, if they're really saying that, there's something to that, because that's, that's a heavy-handed thing to say. Can we talk about the 33 and a third book? That just shows the type of people he hangs out with, but uh, those are great. If you don't know what those are, those are those little, they're little books. You can find them at libraries, you can find them in music stores, uh, and they are music commentary, but like not always. Like yeah. Sometimes it's just somebody, I have the one on Portishead Dummy in, a, in the, rock and oh. roll, uh, the Rock and Roll Bedtime wow. Stories library, but- wow. The one that the one that changed my life, and I want to hear which one you like. But the one I loved was Colin Malloy from the Decemberists writing like 150 pages on "Let It Be" by the Replacements. Oh man, I haven't read that. And it was like yeah, a, it's a memoir. Like a lot of them are people talking about the record, and do, you know, it's almost like a rock and roll bedtime story sometimes, right? Like so, they really go into what's happening behind the scenes of the recording and some of the things that were happening with the band or the artist. But that, but they let him do whatever. And so, Colin Malloy's was just a straight up story about him as a kid buying the record and falling in love with the replacements. Wow! Right before the well. Yes, right before the pandemic, two years ago. So March, I think it was March 2020, like early on, I got the Southern Accents Tom Petty one. Oh, yeah. And, and that was really interesting because I didn't know that they wanted that to be a concept record at first. And uh, cocaine, that kind of screwed it up. Uh, and heroin, I think, too. But what was interesting, Tom Petty started hanging out with Dave Stewart. Um, of the Eurythmics. And yeah. And Don't Come Around Here No More, that song, which was a huge hit that kind of recatapulted his career because of MTV and that, right. that video, you can't play that song on guitar. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. It's a, There's a sitar, right? Right. But it's, you know, it, it, the song is not a 4-4, a it's completely different. It's, it's not a rock song. Yeah, I've never thought about that, but now as I think, like, how would I pace that? Like, that would be very difficult. Hey, don't come around here no more. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. That's funny. Hey! <laughs> oh, man. So here's another one from the mail stack. Uh, this one comes from uh, Derek. Derek says, I just finished the Garth Brooks Chris Gaines episode. I get a lot, of, a lot of good feedback about that episode. Uh, loved it. I was way into that whole Chris Gaines idea at the time and was sad that the movie never materialized. I'm even more into the concept now. And I don't know if we talked about this, but I have seen things recently that say it could come back. Like it may happen. Um, what? What? Why doesn't? And here, if why doesn't he just option it out and have somebody else dress up as him and do the thing? I don't know if they're going to do the movie, but I think there may be more Chris Gaines happening. There's there's rumors, so we'll see. Really? Now, Derek continues. Also, I'm always into the contemporary Christian music nuggets you guys include. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and I was glad to hear you mention Wayne Kirkpatrick. I'm assuming you know that all three of the principal songwriters from that whole Chris Gaines record were CCM royalty. Along with Kirk... This is going to get real, real deep for a second, so just hold on, buddy. I'm Uh, hanging on because I have no idea what's happening. Along with Kirkpatrick, Gordon Kennedy, and Tommy Sims were also big Nashville songwriters, producers, and both were members of the band Whiteheart for two or three records, including the album Freedom. Freedom is undeniably a great pop rock album, even though it's unabashedly cheesy Christian music. I, I don't like any of this stuff, but I wish you were here, man, so I could hug you. Because I feel like you're you're one of us. Because Brian knows everything you're talking about. So, okay. Uh, I'm just going to play some Whiteheart. Like, I feel like this needs to happen. You don't have any, you don't know Whiteheart, but there were a handful of hard rock Christian bands. We've talked about Petra. I know you and I have talked about Petra. And we maybe yeah, have we talked do. about them on the show. They were like the big one where people rotated in and out, and there were a couple of founding members. But they, and then Whiteheart was sort of a contemporary, and they were around for decades. I want to say like maybe a couple of decades. And this is Senior Freedom from the album Freedom from I'm gonna say 1989, but I'll double check. But here, here you go. Here's a taste of Whiteheart. So I was a little more into the two records after this. There was uh, this record called Tales of Wonder, and then a record after that called Highlands that I definitely owned. Pretty sure I got through Columbia House on cassette. Just saying. (laughs) I'm just going to say, as a person who didn't go through all this, why do all these bands sound like a bunch of, like, sissies compared to Striper? Just tell me. (laughs) I know, honestly, in those ballads or things, but, like... Striper just seems to be like Slayer compared to to all of these things. But I did have to listen to some of these these cross like jars of clay or like oh, things yeah, that are yeah, kind of yeah, crossovery. Yeah. Like yeah, for sure. I had to play those things on the radio, you know. Dude, um, so our executive producer Leif and I uh, recently caught the Jesus music, the documentary about Christian music, uh, in which very negligible coverage of Jars of Clay. Everything else they do pretty good on, but they just sort of just are like, and there was this band called Jars of Clay, and they don't really talk about them, which a huge piece of the puzzle in the 90s was Jars of Clay. But they do talk a lot about uh, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and um, sort of how all of these acts build on each other, and then ultimately DC Talk, who there's really nobody 
in the Christian music world bigger yeah. for for somebody my age than the group DC Talk. But anyway, we we could do that forever. Let's go to another letter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Different topic. Let's Jordan writes the show. He says, guys. Did Miranda Lambert pay Steve Earl royalties for kerosene? It sounds just like Feel All Right. Do you do you mm. know these two songs? I know Feeling All Right, but I don't know that I don't know her music much, man. All right, let's just let's look at this real quick. Can I just say hot take? I think Steve Earl's overrated. There we go. Really? Yeah, man. Punch me in the face. Sorry. All right, here here's Steve Earl. I was born my papa's son wandering out a smoking gun. Now some of you would live through me and light me up and throw away the key. Or just find a place to hide away and hope that I'll just go Okay, so away. that's Steve Earle. Feel yeah. all right. <laughs> Who, by the way, could have knocked over 85 liquor stores and beat up a whole bunch of old ladies, but he did sign the V-Roys. And so that, to me, makes up for everything. So let's hear this other song. Oh, yeah. I forgot about his connection to your personal favorite stuff in the world. Yeah. The question is, did Miranda Lambert pay him rights for her first hit, which was called Kerosene? came out in 2005, a good decade or so after uh, Feel All Right. So here, here here is Kerosene. God, I can't believe that Steve Earle song is that, that old. I'm waiting on the sun to sex. Yesterday ain't over yet. I started smoking cigarettes. There's nothing else to do, I guess. Dusty Rose ain't made for walking. Yeah, yeah you, I can hear it, right? I, I will say, uh, before we actually get to the meat of this question, I have two musical fantasies. One of them is to play bass with Lionel Richie on Dancing on the Ceiling and have him like look at me and be like, yeah, Brian, take it. So I can just like do that wicked bass line. The other one is just to be in Miranda Lambert's backing band. Because, I mean, listen, I know there's other gigs that might be cooler and give me more cred, but playing a bunch of country songs with her would be awesome. I'm, I'll just, I'm putting that out there. I'm in. I love that we're such close friends and like neither one of those things are like on the top 500 things. <laughs> you know, like I'd rather like the ghost of the a hologram of Gigi Allen come back and like take a shit like on stage than be in Randall Lambert's <laughs> Like don't care at all. Oh man. I, I have, I met her a time or two uh, over the course of our radio careers and uh, yeah, no man, I just, I've always, I'm, Big fan. Uh, big fan musically also. Just so, yeah, I sort of have a crush on her, but m- big fan musically. So here, here's here's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about is are those songs are the same song, right? Like what's up with that and what right happened? When, yeah, right. The little pre-chorus thing, right? Forget to the chorus even has like it, it goes down a step and up two steps, just sort of like the, so, the, uh, the other song. Here's what I found out. Although Lambert was technically the sole writer of Kerosene, she gave co-writer credit to Steve Earle. No kidding. Yes. She stated... The, the letter was right. Our, our listener mail was right. She stated in an interview that she had inadvertently duplicated the melody and structure, saying, quote, I didn't purposely plagiarize the song, but unconsciously I copied it almost exactly. I think I listened to it so much, I just kind of had it in there. Sort of cool, oh. right? Yeah, give him, yeah, give him the... I, I like it if people do that. Yeah, I mean, sued. And, and you're starting to see this a little bit more too. And, and it's interesting because I've noticed Spotify has changed the way that they catalog things. Have you noticed this? And where now they will put an artist on a song who might 
have just be the writer on the song, but it'll look like you. So you'll, you'll get something in your re- release radar or something. You're like, Oh, am I about to hear a Billy Joel and Rihanna <laughs> duet or something? It's like, not that that's the fake example, but it's just because one of them gets songwriting credit. Yeah. So, okay, here's another one. This one may take us weird places. This is from Jerry. I, I'm excited about weird places. There's no context for this question. This is just a straight-up question. Have either of you ever witnessed the Rocky Horror Picture Show in a movie house late at night with hundreds of people you don't know? I did once, and I'll never forget it. Uh, Yes. Sure. And I had to to do stuff like orchestrating where I was part of like an event coordinator. Oh, you had to like like, tell them when to throw the toast and stuff? No, like I was just like I was working. It was a sponsored event. And so I had to do stuff for the event. Um, How do you feel about I, Rocky Horror Picture in general? We've talked about it some when we talked about Meatloaf. So, okay. So first I said, Steve Earl's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said before, they're like, I don't, I don't like the who. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're going to label this bonus episode Murdoch's Hot Takes. <laughs> Mur- <laughs> thinks Murdoch alienates audience. <laughs> I, I, you know, man, I, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't work. So for me. I, I know I have not done this. I'll be honest. I know of this. We have a great, uh, we've actually had two theaters in the city that have been known over time to do this sort of thing. And one that still does. I, I've, I've not participated. Here's why I dated a girl in college who was really into this and she always talked about it. And I just and she was really into Rocky Horror Picture Show, and so since that is not in my life anymore, this doesn't need to be in my life anymore. So will I ever do it? Probably not. I appreciate it. I don't have any problem with it. I don't have a terrible garbage take like Murdoch is trying to lay down here about it sucking or anything. <laughs> uh, I appreciate I appreciate the music, and I appreciate Meatloaf, and I appreciate Tim Curry and what he he has done for you know decades worth of people, uh, but. I will say that you saying that my take is garbage take. I don't exactly know if you're just saying that you think my take is garbage. I'm just saying like I don't like it. It's just not my thing. It just, like it never it never ever ever has grabbed me. And I've 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 been I've done I've been to a couple of them where it was live where it was like really wild and I was like, "Well, this is kind of wild." What time is it? Like I just like it's just it, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, there's things you like. All right, one more. This one comes uh, to us. It says, uh, all right, the time has come. This guy's really building up the the tension in his letter writing. Is, is this about the Gigi Allen hologram? <laughs> Sorry. The time, is not, the time is never going to be here for that. Uh, Brian, you do great research. You have funny stories, and you entertain Murdoch, but it is time. And I was like, wait, where is this going? It is time. I want to hear Murdoch school all of us on Motley Crue for an hour with no format. <laughs> Just him and his eminence knowledge on the subject. God. Why? Why? <laughs> Why do people know? And this it's like it's fine. Like I'm I'm going to a music festival by myself next week and John Zorn and Patty Smith and the Preservation Hall jazz bands there and there's like ambient weird avant-garde You're just stuff still and, trying to live down the fact that you are you have a pentagram tattooed on your chest with the MC logo. No, I have Steve-O's face tattooed on my <laughs> on my face. Um 
I did. Do you know? I have a pal I uh, I went to college with. His name's Justin Sinkovich, and we had him on the podcast during um, during the pandemic. He was he was like a special guest, and we had some special guests oh, yeah, for a while. Yeah. And and Justin and I are the same age, and Justin and I found out that we went to the same Motley Crue Warrant concert. Oh, hell yeah! In um. I don't know what year it was, dude. But it was in Murf <laughs> it was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So okay. it was at Middle okay. Tennessee State University. And the whole time this Vince Neal, the singer, is like, Hello, Nashville. And everyone's like, it's like 40 minutes northwest. Dude, it's not Nashville. That's always the worst, man. The I mean like 40 minutes northwest. Uh um, so I listen, I we're not gonna do it right now, but I think I think we could do this. I think we could have the Motley Crue school episode where yeah, okay. just as a bonus where we'll just turn a timer on and see if you can go for an hour. I, you know, I think I can and easy <laughs> for sure. You can too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will, t- I will say they are doing that stadium tour with Def Leppard poison and Joan Jett this year. Really? They're coming. Yes. They're back. They're doing it again. The, the thing, it got canceled during the pandemic, oh. and now they're doing it now. And I don't know that whether Vince has been to the gym yet. Um, <laughs> so, or they re- Spoiler, no, he hasn't. He hasn't. Just replaced his voice or whatever. <laughs> but I did go, I did go as a nerd to look at all their Instagram accounts. Oh, please. And, and, and Mick has actually posted some things. It's, you you it's mean him Mick's like, granddaughter has posted some things yeah. on his behalf. It's like it's like he's always dressed the same in black, and he's like just hanging out in Zurich, having a great time. <laughs> like that's it. And then Tommy Lee, like, has Tommy Lee and Vince have no? Those other three guys have like wives now who are like less than half their age. Oh yeah. And um, and um, Nikki has moved to Wyoming. Um. <laughs> It like, has like dude, a I said we're going to do this child. another time. We're going to do this another time. Oh my gosh, I'm starting with a thing. I can't stop. It's like, I can't stop. I'm All right. so sorry. All right, here's the last thing we're going to do. The last thing we're going to do is is uh, I want to I just want to play a game with you. This did not come from, from listeners, but I, in reading something the other day, I came across a metal band I'd never heard of, and I just want to know if you know who they are. So I want to start a an occasional segment on the show that we can just call Name That Metal Band, where I play okay. you a metal band and see if you can tell me anything about them. And if not, so this I'll is, hit you with something. So it's like, it, this is like the, the rock and roll bedtime stories hurdle. Like you're like the, the game. I don't know if you're playing hurdle. It's like you play. Oh, right, 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 right. Where the, you play clip. Uh, yeah. Na- it's name that tune is all it is. Uh, sure. It's just, sure. Yeah. So you're going to play me the clip. I'm going to play the and clip. To, okay. And you're going to tell me who this is. If you recognize it. All right. Gosh, I hope I do. Hey, no pressure. It's all right. I can always edit this out if you have no idea. All right. Here we go. Uh, who is that? That is uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado rock band Jag Panzer. J A G P A N Z E R. Do you know these guys? I've never heard them. Really? 
Oh, that's so exciting. So I I ran across, they're a power metal band. Uh, they came together in 81 because they were inspired by new wave British heavy metal. Uh, yeah. And they saw a poster featuring a German World War II tank, and it was named the Jagdpanzer, which is literally the hunting tank in German. <laughs> but actually referring to what in English would be called a tank destroyer. So they decided to name their band that. I but they couldn't they couldn't pronounce it correctly, and so they dropped the extra letters and just started calling themselves Jag Panzer. <laughs> Every, everything about this is so stupid metal. Hey, li- hey, listen, I saw this picture of this German tank, and I think maybe this could be a great name for the band. Can you speak German? No. <laughs> Let's drop, well, should we put no umlauts? No. Should we just drop letters? We'll call it something kind of like it. Like, that's so metal. That is such a metal idea. Oh, my God. I love love it when people send us letters, man. Send us letters. Write write reviews. Uh, These mailbag episodes are super fun. It's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. I was going to let you keep talking. You didn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. The bass line, the bass playing on that song is fucking wrong. I don't know what he's syncopating, but it's incorrect. Is he just, is it the drums? Or is he just syncopating with the guitar, isn't he? Is that right? The bass player is syncopating with the guitar. That's not correct. That's not what the bass is supposed to do.